0: Coming up on Word Matters, trying to learn the pronunciation ways of the French. I'm Emily Brewster, and Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. On each episode, Merriam-Webster editors Amon Shea, Peter Sokolowski, and I explore some aspect of the English language from the dictionary's
1: vantage point.
0: Peter has some tips for mastering the trickier aspects of French pronunciation.
1: French sounds fancy to us. And I think that's an important point. To English speakers, French has a a certain cachet. And I think it's an enormous topic to think about why it's culturally occupies a certain place that another language simply doesn't have the same connection. Of course, French has a deep connection to English etymologically and historically and politically. But the sound of French is so different from English. And there are some of the sounds of French that uh, we don't produce, that aren't part of English phonotactics, the available sounds of a language. As the card-carrying Francophile in the office, I do think about phonetics and French sometimes. And in fact, I did a video not too long ago about words on a menu, like a restaurant menu, that are French. You might recall that video where my recommendation is to not force it, to pronounce things as you would in English essentially, and add the French color when it's convenient or easily done. So a thing like pâté de foie gras. You don't have to say it in any kind of fancy accent. People would understand that perfectly well. Or one word that people struggle with is the word croissant. And maybe in French, I would say croissant. But croissant, I think you can kind of get away with that pretty easily. The word restaurant itself is a French word, and we don't struggle with that. So my point is, let's just try to be natural and comprehensible. But people are fascinated by the phonetics of French, and part of my job was to write a French dictionary and to make sure we got all of this right. And it occurs to me sometimes that there are a few tips that can be given to help if you want to sound better speaking French, not just citing a word here and there, which we all do from time to time, but even like reading a sentence or if you're someone who's learning French or has learned French. There might be a few tips that I've picked up over the years. Going to university in France and having many French friends and giving lectures in French and finally teaching French at the university level, which was the job I had before I came to Merriam-Webster, to maybe expose an easy way to sound a little better. I'm not saying you're going to sound like a native speaker of French. I don't know that that's the goal. I think the goal is to be clear.
0: Also, maybe to be able to order comfortably at a restaurant instead of just saying, I'll have the duck.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's a great Key and sketch, it's on YouTube, of this moment of sitting down at a French restaurant, a man and a woman clearly on a date, and the man who wants to show off and struggles with the language. And so this is a cultural thing. And so it occurred to me at the beginning of the pandemic, I watched some Poirot. And it's a hard word to say in English, but... Hercule Poirot is this character, of course, by Agatha Christie, famously played by David Suchet, a British actor. And then there was a special movie made with John Malkovich playing the role, and recently Kenneth Branagh. So you have three examples of English speakers playing someone who's famous for a very thick French accent.
0: But the character is created by, an, a, by British a, a British
1: woman, yes. Woman. And it has to be said, a Belgian character, not a French character, and that's, that's an important point. And I grew up hearing an accent very much like the one David Suchet has in Poirot, because My mother's parents were French-Canadian. She grew up in a household that was essentially bilingual, where she had to speak French to her own grandparents. And her mother, my mémé, as we called her, was a caregiver. And so I was very familiar with her. There were lots of French words in our vocabulary and household, but mostly what I remember is the very thick French accent that she had, which, by the way, I never noticed until it was pointed out to me. I was probably 10. That was just her voice. This is the way she spoke. So in a sense, uh, you could call me a heritage speaker. People use that term. It's a term I'd never heard before in the sense that my grandparents spoke French. And I didn't grow up speaking it, but I was very aware of it. It was around. There were songs. There were books. There were stories. But certainly there was the sound, that sound. And so the David Suchet accent was very familiar to me. It's exactly what my grandmother sounded like. But occasionally watching it, it would bug me because I think he sounds so good. He sounds so convincing. By the way, he's a British Shakespearean actor who does not speak fluent French. But he does a great job with the sound. It really makes it work. Once I became fluent myself, didn't they have somebody on set who could tell him that to say good night in French, the word for night is nuit. It's a feminine noun and therefore it has a feminine adjective before it. To say good night, you say bonne nuit. And bonne means good and bonne nuit. But he would say bon nuit, which shows that he knows exactly how to pronounce the adjective but the masculine form. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. What's the feminine? Um, the masculine for is bon? the word
1: b o n bon, and then the feminine has a double n and an e b o n n e, and so the difference is bon and bun, bon and oh. bun, and you really can hear a difference. Now the fact is, the next word in this case starts with an n, so it becomes elided and it's very very quick Bonne nuit. But it's not bon. This is something our pronunciation editor, our phonetics expert Josh Gunter, has explained to me. It's not the nasalized n that matters; it's the nasalized o. It's the yeah. vowel that you nasalize. So they are nasalized in a different way, these two words, bon and bonne. And they're, to me, big differences that I can hear. And I just used to think, oh, this actor gets it so close and he's so right. You would never guess he doesn't speak French. Once in a while, he would drop in a little sentence, a little phrase in French, and they were all pretty well done. He's a remarkable actor, of course. But once in a while, again, the errors were so elementary, that it's exactly the kind of thing. And any French speaker would cringe. It's almost like an infant's error. You would never get the gender of the word night wrong, for example. Then I watched the John Malkovich production. John Malkovich, I believe, lived in France for many years. I believe he is a fluent speaker of French. And I think we can find him on YouTube. He has a little accent, American accent in French, but he's a fluent speaker of French, which is different from David Suchet. However, His accent also bothered me in one particular respect because he would say the name of the character. In English, you'd say Poirot, but it has two R's in it. He would say Poirot, Poirot, with that very kind of guttural French-sounding R, Poirot. And I said, why does this bother me? And I realized a French speaker would say that name, Poirot, Poirot. And you notice that second R. I almost ghost it. It's a very small, almost muted sound, Poirot. And when an R in French is between... Vowels like that—it's very often a very muted sound. So, for example, the word "period," "période." So you hear, I don't make a meal out of that R. "Période." It's just the word "period." Another word, "variety," "variété," "variété." That R—I don't say "variété." I say "variété." That's the way French people actually pronounce. So, for the word "poireau" itself, you could almost remove that R and just say "pois," "pois," "o," oh, "o," oh, "pois," and then put them together: "poireau," "poireau." And that's very close to how it would come out. Poirot. I was trying to think, why is he making this mistake? He speaks French. It's because the initial R's, the R's at the beginnings of words, are very harsh often. You could hear it at the beginning of a word like répéter, or the word for very in French is très. And often that's quite harsh. They say très, très. You really do hear that harsh sound of R when it's an initial sound, but never when it's a medial sound, when it's in between things. It's an easy tip to give an English speaker. Don't mistake one kind of R for another. The French R is in your throat, but there are varying degrees.
0: But it's only in your throat when it's at the beginning, like in a consonant blend or initial? It's
1: both, because répéter, you could say ch, you could say that harsh right. and it'd be totally native. But très, près uh, after initial uh, consonant, can be very, very hard and you really hear it in your throat. What about the R at the end? Well, often, of course, those are silent R's. It depends, okay. but there are some R's that you do hear at the end, and those are usually heures so beurre.
0: Not that guttural uh, Like
1: thing. butter is the word beurre. That's more like the medial one. You don't say beurre. It just doesn't sound French. So my point is the R in French, you could think of it as a, a matter of degree, that there is a more intense version, and it's the same mechanics, but a much less intense version for the medial one. And poireau, I just think, is kind of a simple, easy way to say it. And it made me think about what other couple tips could I give to English speakers who want to sound better in French. Number one is those nasals. The nasals are a problem because we don't have them in English. In our dictionaries, there are some phonetic transcriptions. In Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the transcription is a superscript N, and it is at some entries. If you look up the word confisery, confiserie, we only give it with that superscript N, which means that our phonetic transcription is confiserie as a nasalized sound, not confisserie but confiserie. So that's a distinction we can all hear and we can do. The problem with these nasalized vowels is that there are five of them, A, I, E, O, and U, and they have to sound different.
0: They all sound different. Okay, you have to teach me now how to say these. And
1: I struggled with this because some of these are common words, like the word for one, the number one, which is also the word for our indefinite article in French, A or an, is U-N. And there's a very common one. It's maybe the most common of these. And it's un. It's just un. And it's a very simple sound. But then the word for year, coming from the Greek, we get annual from this. It's just a-n, and that's on. The best way i found to learn these is to juxtapose them. Okay. Anon. ano is one year. So you can hear the difference. Those are two clearly distinct vowel sounds. But if you said them in isolation, it'd be kind of hard to know if you're right. But if you say an anon, anon. anon, anon yeah, so that's A-on. perfect. Anon.
0: I know. You got I it. Know.
1: Exactly. So you know. I don't
0: feel like I've got it. But the,
1: the UN is a little bit back in your throat. So the best way, and it was a neighbor of mine at in, in university who was French, who, who was sympathetic with my struggle, she came up with this idea to say the sentence in an instant, or the little phrase in an instant, because that covers. And so that's in in French, it's en, an En un instant. En, With just the ST between them, of course. But. Now, you could say dans un instant, and that's another way to practice it, because dans means within an instant, and and D-A-N-S, and so that gives you the A-N at the beginning and the end of this, dans un instant, it's the exact same vowel at the beginning and the end, dans un instant, but en un instant, because the en is tough, because that's a really wide-open sound, you get that from the back of your throat also, en un instant. If you put those four sounds together, and then the O-N really takes care of itself, the on is really simple, and most of us get that easier. So en, un, instant, on. And there you have your vowels. And my point is, if you juxtapose them, you naturally start to make those vowels different from each other, and they will fall into their correct slots. You have to practice that. And it's good to say it into your recorder on your phone, or it's good to practice speaking face-to-face as you and I are. (laughs) So that's my tip on nasals, is juxtaposition. Say them quickly en un instant, and say them slowly to make sure they sound different. En un instant. And that's a problem in France is if you say them all the same way, people will misunderstand you, and it can be a problem.
0: You're listening to Word Matters. I'm Emily Brewster. More French pronunciation tips ahead. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.
1: Word Matters listeners get 25% off all dictionaries and books at shop.merriam-webster.com by using the promo code MATTERS at checkout. That's MATTERS, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, at shop.merriam-webster.com.
0: I'm and Shay. Do you have a question about the origin, history, or meaning of a word? Email us at word matters at m-w.com.
1: I'm Peter Sokolowski. Join me every day for The Word of the Day, a brief look at the history and definition of one word, available at merriam-webster.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more podcasts from New England Public Media, visit the NEPM Podcast Hub at nepm.org. My French
0: lesson continues.
1: A couple other quick tips. One is that words that end in S I O N, all the words in English that have I O N at the end, they're French words. Okay. Like vision. Vision is a good one. But if it follows an R, like version, we in English, we voice that S. It is a Z. Version. Yeah. It's a Z sound. In French, it's not. It's an S sound. And so you say in English, version. In French, version. Version. And you have to train yourself to do that because you're looking at a word that you know it's spelled the same way in both languages. Version. And that's the most common of those words. There's a handful of others. But I've heard very fluent speakers of French who are Americans or Brits or Germans who get that wrong. And it's a tiny little thing, but it's a cool, quick thing to learn.
0: I think part of the draw, though, to the English pronunciation is that it's one of our fancier <laughs> sounding words. The je it's, sound. Yeah, it's not just a simple Z. Mm-hmm. It's actually, sometimes it's rendered as ZH, yes. right? It's a voiced, I don't remember the, the technical name for it, but that je sound, mm-hmm. I associate that sound with the French I learned from Pepe Le Pew.
1: And the je sound is a very French sound. Of course yeah. it is. It's a voiceless S. It's une version. And that's a tricky one because, first of all, it's counterintuitive, as you just said. And second of all, we have a habit in our own language of pronouncing it a slightly different way. Anecdotally, the word jazz in French is not pronounced with a French J because everyone knows in France it's an American word. So they pronounce it as if it had an initial D, le jazz. You say le jazz. If that were a French word, you'd say le jazz. And that's why the name Django Reinhardt has a D because they pronounce it that way. Django. It's not Django. It's Django. But that's the problem is that these two languages sometimes are cognates and they interfere with each other. Another easy thing is that French doesn't have diphthongs. It's a big deal. We swim in our vowels in English.
0: A diphthong is a vowel sound that kind of starts in one place in your mouth and winds up in somewhere else. Right. Oi, for example. Yeah. You start with your lips rounded, your tongue is in the front of your mouth, and then E, you go from the O to the E, tongue's in the middle, sorry. And then if E, Your jaw is up, your lips are apart, and your tongue is in the front.
1: These are very hard to learn for French people. So for them to sound convincing in English, it's it's extremely difficult because I'm just going to use an extreme example. The month of May. I say may, and even that, there's a little bit of movement in my vowel, even though it's just A. Mm -hmm. A certain kind of British accent might say may, may, and what is that dropping? An octave or something? And also kind of has this little curly Q at the end. May kind of comes up again. To my ears, maybe to your ears, that's a very British sound, may. And I remember sitting in a rehearsal in a French orchestra. There was an English woman who was a flute player, and she was asking a question in French. And I, I remember hearing her say, au mois de mai. And I just thought, wow, it sounds like Michael Caine in French. So the French don't do that. And this is a huge advantage we have as English speakers, a huge advantage. Because to learn to sound convincing in French, all we have to do is clip our vowels, just shorten them. We're saying them anyway, just shorten them. So in French, the month of may or may is may. You just say it very short and very sweet.
0: I think I can do that, mais.
1: And it's true for all vowels. So they don't swim in their vowels. They don't have diphthongs. All of them are short sounds. The classic French sound at the end of adjectives and past participles is a. The e with an acute accent rising to the right is the past participle of the first group of verbs. And so you end up hearing that sound very, very frequently. Terminé, which means terminated. Terminé. Français. Inscrit. The e sound is very short. The word Scenario. Scenario. So the, every one of those vowel sounds is super short. Just clip it, just trim it back. And May is a good example because in mais, M-A-I-S is also the word for but, the conjunction in English. Mais non. Yeah, mais non. There you go. Very short sounds. So you sound much more convincing, making things very, very, very short. This reminds me of a couple other vowel sounds that we make in English. We say dega, for example. What's another in French? Money. So it's Monet and it's "duga" in French because there is no accent on that E. So you just mm. say "duga." There's another quick and easy thing, which is our last piece of advice, which is French doesn't have syllabic stress. And syllabic stress is an enormous part of the English phonetic system. And we don't even think about it. It's the water we swim in. It's the
0: difference between record and record. Yes.
1: There's a whole sequence of those words where the meaning itself is transferred by the syllabic stress. But a word that's borrowed from French, like importance, for example, in English, you understand it with that strong second syllable, importance. The second syllable has the stress. But in French, it's, of course, the same spelling, same word, and it has no stress. So it's importance. And so you have to learn how to say a multi-syllable word and put no stress any greater on one syllable than you would on another. French speakers have the impression that speakers of English or Dutch or German are angry all the time (laughs) uh, because we always add that stress to their language and they find it aggressive. The word combative in French, and in English, again, the second syllable, combative, but in French it's combatif, combatif. So in this case, like with removing the long vowel sounds, make them very short. In this case, remove all of the syllabic or tonic stress. And you will sound much, much more convincing as a French speaker.
0: That last one is very counterintuitive to me because my English-speaking ear associates French with having an accent on the final syllable. In the Pepe Le Pew School of French, that's what my ear hears.
1: You have touched upon a controversy because phoneticians insist that that is an illusion. However, I would tell you that that's helpful because you're not wrong. Now, I'm just going to read off a sentence I've memorized. Longtemps, je me suis couché de bonne heure. Parfois, à peine ma bougie éteinte, mes yeux se fermaient si vite que je n'avais pas le temps de me dire, je m'endors. And it might sound to you like there's some terminal stress, especially that first short sentence. Longtemps, je me suis couché de bonne heure. And I could be convinced of that, but I'm told by phoneticians that, in fact, French doesn't give more stress to the last syllable. However, that, I think, is a useful way for English speakers Because what that does is displace the one you might have put somewhere else. And I think that could be a good step in the right direction. And it is an oral illusion. There's no question that we have that perception. And I think you've touched upon something that's real. It may be something that some people argue about, but it's helpful to English speakers to learn that if you know kind of what you sound like to others. And this is what was really helpful to me was a a French friend who would sometimes repeat back my accent to me. I remember once she said, Je suis très fatigue, I said I'm tired. And in French, fatigued is fatigue, fatigue, so fatigue. Three very short vowels. And I said fatigue to them that sounds very English. It sounds very, very English. Now, as a kind of bonus postscript to this, they have a incredible difficulty with the R, and especially the American R, because our R is almost a vowel, because we blend that sound, we swim in that sound as well. To a French-speaking person, if there's a group of Americans talking, what they hear is, (laughs) because what you notice is what is different, and so they notice what they don't do. For French speakers, they have so much difficulty, because you have to acquire tonic stress, syllabic stress, you have to learn how to make diphthongs, and those R's, of course, are completely foreign to them. So they have a lot more work to do to sound convincing than we do. I think we have the advantage and I'm not saying to impersonate a French person, but to sound very clear and to be easily understood. The best strategy for French speakers, if you have to happen to know any, and I knew a few who did this, was to convert the terminal R's in English to vowels. And in that way, if you're using a kind of received pronunciation of a British sound, which is very familiar to people in France, you say instead of car, it's very hard for them to learn that R. And they always kind of overdo it, say ca, And that's now an a ah and not an R. Ah. And it sounds very good. It sounds elegant.
0: Right. That makes sense. And yeah. it works. So I can struggle with my crepe and my croissant, mm-hmm. and they can just order <laughs> butter. Let us know what you think about Word Matters. Review us wherever you get your podcasts or email us at wordmattersm wcom you can also visit us at nepm.org. And for the word of the day and all your general dictionary needs, visit merriam-webster.com. Our theme music is by Tobias Voigt. Artwork by Annie Jacobson. Word Matters is produced by John Vosey and me. For Amon Shea and Peter Sokolowski, I'm Emily Brewster. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster and New England Public Media.